welcome back. Michelle Sparks with you on illuminating anorexia, eating disorders, self and body issues. Today I'm going to pick up from the last podcast where I was speaking about why I differentiate anorexia from other eating disorders. I'm going to just repeat a little bit of that introductory information and then move on to talking about the experience of restrictive anorexia, the tightening treadmill, what that's like as a person with restrictive anorexia and how that can start to move into binge eating purging anorexia. So that second subtype And um, don't forget, please feel free to hit me up with your questions or feedback so I can speak directly to your uh, concerns and questions. Thanks so much. Why do I differentiate? Well, I differentiate because most eating disorders, ednos, binge eating, bulimia, and even anorexia in its binge eating and purging subtype, which I'll explain in a moment, With most eating disorder presentations, there is a loss of control. There is an element, a feature of binge eating. And a binge is actually characterized by eating an unusually large amount within a discrete period of time. And with that, there is a sense of loss of control. And as a consequence, some really intense feelings of guilt and fear and shame. So with most eating disorder presentations, there is this feature of uh, binge eating and loss of control and accompanying emotions. With anorexia, the restrictive subtype, so there are two subtypes with anorexia. One is restrictive and the other is binge eating purging. Anorexia often begins with a rest- with a restricting, just a progressive restriction and reduction in calories. And with that, there can be an increase in exercise as well. Um, so what you see is a person going down the scales, losing weight, and getting more and more restrictive in what they will eat, when they will eat, how they will eat, and possibly doing some compensatory behaviors after they eat, such as excessive exercise, maybe fasting, maybe not, you know, etc., etc. So in that type of anorexia, that is a really different experience. And most people who are having that experience are not seeking help because they are feeling like what they are doing in their behavior is actually helping them to feel better about themselves, more acceptable in some way, more secure in some way, more safe and in control. I believe in that regard, anorexia, the restricting subtype anorexia is really about controlling the numbers, controlling the calories and the kilograms and it's an attempt, it starts off as an attempt to feel better, more acceptable, more secure, more in control, but with time, the solution, as I've talked about before, runs away with us because as we restrict intake, we set up some changes in our biochemistry, the way our thinking becomes more rigid, black and white, uh, polarized, good, bad. If you maintain your food plan of restrictions, you'll have a good day. And if you don't, you have a bad day. So there's this really, there's this whole syndrome that, or 
uh, number of symptoms that start to fall together in that anorexia restrictive subtype. And I do differentiate from that because I do know there may be people out there or parents out there or carers out there and you are dealing with that person, that person who is struggling with that restrictive subtype. They do not want help. They may not be ready to listen to um, any supportive comments because they feel like they're in control. And that is a very difficult place for a person around that person to be. It's really not until someone starts to lose control that they usually are in a place where their behavior is now working against their idea of self. They are feeling worse about self. They are feeling guilty, fearful, ashamed about this loss of control. And I remember when I was heading down the scales, um, I was restricting for about two or three years before I started to lose control. And in that initial two to three years, uh, from the ages of around 12 to 14, 15, I was feeling good. You know, as I said before, my behavior was in sync with this developing sense of self as being better, uh, a better person, a good girl, more con in control, more secure, it, more acceptable to myself. That it was all, it was ego syntonic. It was in sync with the, my sense of self as wanting to present as a better person. I was trying to lift my game and my sense of self, worth and value and security. But as I continued down that path, I did start to break my diet in bigger and bigger ways. And at first I would just deal with them by uh, eating less the next meal or maybe skipping the next meal or exercising away the calories I had consumed. And as long as I could do that, I felt okay. I was still on that anorectic restrictive path and I was feeling good about myself. It wasn't until I started to lose control and at first I called them an eating impulse and eventually I called them a binge and at that stage, this was the late 70s, there wasn't um, the websites or support groups and I, I don't think I'd ever even heard of the term binge before but it really seemed to fit this uh, sense of loss of control that I started to experience. And one of the things I have put on my uh, in my book, Illuminating Anorexia, I talk about the treadmill. And this is very uh, symptomatic of someone in that anorexia uh, restrictive subtype. I'm going to read it out, but I'll also put a diagram of that on my website. So if you want to come there and get hold of that diagram, you can. It may be something as a parent or uh, a carer of someone who is struggling in this area. It may be something that will help you understand that a little bit more. And um, of course you can listen to Escalating Conflict. This comes out of that chapter and I did a, a podcast on Escalating Conflict some time ago so you can have a listen to that. And of course you can download the book from Amazon, whatever helps you. But this is the treadmill. So how it starts is I am trying to be good in all areas of my life, all areas, sport, academics, at home, food and weight control becomes the easiest way to quantify my success. You know, calories and kilograms are easy to measure and see and control. So I'm trying to be good in all areas, but food and weight control becomes the easiest way to quantify my success. But as life goes on and different things happen, there's this accusation, this inner critic in my mind saying, you're still not good enough. So my 
response to that is to exercise more rigid control, more restrictive guidelines to try and be better in all the areas of my life. But as I said, food and weight control is the easiest way to see that I'm being better, doing things right. Guess what? As I exercise more rigid control, it becomes increasingly impossible to stay within these narrowing limits. So there is more frequent slip-ups in the food weight area. And really, it's just the food area for me. And tiny deviations are magnified because I'm making the control so strict that tiny deviations are more evident. As a result, there are more frequent and louder accusations of failure in my head. Therefore, there are heavier and more frequent demands for payment for my loss of control. And what that means is less food and more exercise. That is how I pay for my slip-ups, what I would call a slip-up. So at this stage, they weren't binges. They were just a slip-up. As that continued, more and more time passes, I am getting weaker and more emaciated and feeling less able to pay up all the time. So there is a growing fear of losing control. There is also a growing fear of punishment and loss if I cannot maintain control. So I clamp down even harder. I exercise even more rigid control. And guess what? The spiral closes in. That is the anorectic restrictive type treadmill. That is my experience of it. And if you would like a copy of that, you can go to my website. I would be very happy to receive your questions about that. But what I say in my book is that, okay, so it's about two and a half years I've been on this treadmill. And I say by the middle of year 10, it was obvious that my physical food solution was not working. It was now causing the parents I loved great concern. I was so conflicted, wanting to conform, to put on weight, to be a good girl, not a nuisance or a burden. But in being asked to let go of the food restrictions, I was being asked to let go of the only way I knew of appeasing the accuser in my head and controlling my hungry, bad, greedy, needy self. The tables were turning, my solution was failing, and I didn't know what else to do. So I started to binge. I had never heard the term before, but it seemed to fit the initially small and infrequent lapses of control that I began to experience. Binging was different from breaking my diet. The latter, breaking my diet, always felt like a weak but conscious choice. Binging was far more impulsive. It felt out of control and scary. For a few moments, I felt absolutely nothing but an, but an overwhelming urge to stuff my face. It was like my brain, temporarily overloaded, and out of answers, switched over onto autopilot, and my hand shoveled food down my throat as quickly as possible in a desperate attempt to shut up the fear and the wanting inside. And I've got this diary entry where I say, I wonder if it's some delayed reaction, 
but lately at night I go on a binge where I just won't stop eating. When the binge was over, my brain slipped back into gear and feelings of guilt and horror hit me full force. Terrified by my loss of control, I would quickly lose myself in a frenzy of vigorous exercise before planning a stricter regime to guard against future failure. So that was me prior to my hospital admission. And I was 15 years of age, I was in the middle of year 10, I'd been on the restrictive path for about two and a half years. And what you can hear there is that I'm just starting to lose control and binge. I'm moving from anorexia restrictive subtype to anorexia binge eating subtype. Now I did not vomit as I continued to, those binges grew actually and they grew while I was in hospital. And I talk a lot about that in my book and and you can again listen to the podcast episode on escalating conflict and um, what do, and also the growing battle with the binger. Those two chapters are really important chapters for, I believe, parents and people going through this to understand. I think um, a person who is struggling with anorexia, the restrictive subtype, I think as a parent or a carer, you could read that chapter and um, maybe make a decision about whether that is something that would be helpful for your person, your loved one, to um, read with you or or dialogue or converse with you about what's going on for them. Because I really did write that to articulate something at the time I, I could not articulate and to provide understanding. Because what it does show is that that restrictive pathway is just a dead end. It will not take us where we want to go. We will lose control eventually. Most people who start on that restrictive pathway move into binge eating and purging. They may stay low weight anorectic because they are getting rid of the calories. That is a very dangerous condition to be in and as I've said before, if you or a loved one is in that space, you do need to have medical oversight. You need to see a GP, someone you can talk to honestly about your behavior because you are placing your health at risk. And I believe you're not intending to do that. I believe anorexia is a fight, becomes a fight to prove that we deserve to take up space. And we end up fighting this accusing, annihilating voice in our head. But that's not often where it begins, that's where it ends. You know, that's where it sort of journeys to. That's where you are in the hardcore anorexia space, where you are in a daily, hourly, often minute-by-minute battle with this accusing, annihilating voice and you are trying to keep control by controlling the calories, controlling the kilograms, but it is like a rabbit chasing its tail. You will go, you know, the cycle becomes more entrenched, You, it becomes tighter, you feel more bound and more out of control. Your solution backfires. And when it does, that is when a person with anorexia restrictive subtype will often be more open to receiving help. I was certainly wanting help at this time but it wasn't forthcoming and I didn't really start to get help until I went into hospital and that was some months down the track from the portion of book that I just read you there. So that is why I differentiate because when you are on that restrictive pathway you don't see yourself as having a problem. It's not until you start to really lose control and um, binge 
lose control binge that you start to see that oh this is getting scary now and I don't know how to keep a lid on this little monster called the binger and I talk a lot about that in my book as well love your feedback love your questions um, so I'm going to move on to another episode come back and keep pick this up but move on to another episode so see you back in a moment yeah.